Hi, it's Claire Berlinski with the Cosmopolicast, and I'm here today with the artificial intelligence researcher Roman Yampolsky for the Yampolsky Berlinski podcast. And we're going to talk about AI safety today. I uh, got the idea of, to invite him after watching him give a presentation on YouTube, and I thought he is making a lot of sense, which distresses me because I'm growing increasingly concerned by this problem. The more I know about it, the more alarmed I'm becoming. I'm going to start with a question. Um, I, I understand that a lot of people are becoming more worried about this, but it doesn't seem as if the public's level of alarm is anywhere near what it should be. Am I right to think that? You are right. Most people have no idea what's going on. They never heard of AI. They never heard of most technologies, cryptocurrencies. So that's not novel. I think most people have heard something about it, but they don't appreciate why this should be the kind of danger that it is. And I, I've been trying to figure out how to write about it. And I'm realizing just from the comments that people are, are that I'm seeing in response to the few things I have written, that there is um, that is a much more difficult problem to understand than other forms of existential risk. Everyone understands why a nuclear weapon is bad, bad news. Everyone understands why an asteroid strike is something we really don't want to play with. Um, but people don't seem to instinctively understand why AI is so dangerous. And I wonder if you could start by running through the case that it is a genuine existential risk. Well, it's actually surprising that people have a hard time understanding it. Every science fiction movie about AI is a existential risk problem movie, so they should be well prepared for it. Uh, typically, any article about AI safety has a picture of Terminator somewhere in it. But uh, while it's easier to understand the dangers of robots and military robotics, problem with advanced intelligence is uh, not easy to illustrate visually. Those systems can outcompete us, outsmart us, uh, outthink us. They can do science and engineering better. And if for whatever reason they think it's better to have us removed, they can certainly figure out means to do it through nanotechnology, through genetic engineering, viruses, or something completely novel because they are smarter than us or will be smarter than us. And uh, we can't really predict what they are going to do. I think the point you just made that people have seen this in science fiction over and over again, that may be part of the problem. I'm wondering if it doesn't create a unique cognitive bias where artificial intelligence is concerned in that Hollywood has conditioned us to believe this isn't real. Is that possible? It is possible. It could be like a vaccine where you've seen it so many times and nothing happened. You, you think it's not very bad, but... Uh... It's not obvious what works better. So we've been publishing this type of articles for at least a decade in popular media, and we're still around, still alive. So maybe people see it as, uh, okay, maybe they have too careful. Maybe it's kind of like climate change. You know, in 100 years, we'll go up one degree. Nobody cares. Uh, so they may not realize how quickly it escalated from everyone thinks it's 20 to 100 years away to some people think it's two years away. Well, when I saw chat GPT-4, I realized that everything I had thought had been overtaken by events. And I think many people, including in the field, feel that way, that this is rushing up much faster than we 
ever imagined and that there's a real possibility we get to AGI with the next version or the version after that. Do you think that's possible? It certainly is possible. We don't know what uh, capabilities even the current system has. We keep discovering new emergent abilities. And uh, while they train the next generation system, they need to decide at some point, okay, we're going to train it for, let's say, six months, and then we see what we got. It's possible that four months in, it uh, hits human level capacity. At five months, it's super intelligent. So Wait, you don't think possible... that about four, do you? Can I say it again? You don't think that about GPT-4, do you? No, no, GPT-4 is definitely not right, uh, right. super intelligent or right. anything like that. Four. It and still it has have... capabilities we have not discovered. Yeah, yeah, but, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you have any sense of why it would be that there that someone like Sam Altman would rush this out when clearly they can't control it? Um, even though does he understand the problem or is he insensate to the problem? Well, if you read his posts, especially posts from let's say five years ago or more, he definitely understands the problem. In fact, he's very much worried about existential risk. He just feels that the benefits uh, may outweigh possibility of danger for him or maybe for others. Well, that doesn't seem to be a particularly rational point of view. We, the, the paths toward an optimal outcome seem much, much narrower, the target much harder to hit than the paths toward catastrophic outcomes. Am I wrong to think that? Uh, I agree with you. I would say Sam probably justifies it by saying, okay, if OpenAI doesn't do it, then the next competitor will do it, China will do it, so we might as well be the good guys who make it happen. Well, he's an intelligent man. He can't really believe that. I mean, China, if China can do it, they'll do it by stealing what we do. If we put it out there, they're going to do it, yes, because they can take it from us, but they're not going to do it on their own. They're much more cautious than we are. I don't know if they are much more cautious. They actually yeah. have less restrictions on uh, human experimentation and privacy. So in, in many ways, they may actually get there first in terms of uh, experiments they are willing to conduct. Well, as I understood it, they are not, it, it, there is something about these systems that really disturbs them. They understand they can't control it. And one thing the CCP likes is control. They don't want this thing suddenly talking about Tiananmen. Um Right. They are concerned that it will not be doing the right propaganda at this right. stage. So they need to make sure it's controlled to the point where the message is controlled. Right. Right. What, tell me about your research program. Uh, you must feel that you're under a considerable amount of pressure. There aren't a whole lot of researchers doing this kind of work. And a lot is weighing on your ability to get this problem solved right now. Right. So uh, there is a small but very growing AI safety community. Uh, people are looking at different things we can do to solve this problem. My research is slightly different. I'm trying to understand if problem is solvable to begin with. So we're starting with this assumption that, of course, we can control super intelligent machines of the future. Why not? And it seems like there is no reason for thinking that. And I investigate specific limitations to what our capabilities are in terms of understanding large neural networks, predicting their decisions, communicating with them, and so on. And it seems that there are very strong theoretical limits to what we can do. 
that was exactly my instinct. And so I'm fascinated to hear you say that because I was wondering if it was a justifiable instinct, formally justifiable in any way. My sense was that there's we will never be able to specify to the level required the goals that we want the AI to fulfill. And we we they may not be formalizable. Uh, right. So as of today, no one has published a mathematical proof or even a rigorous philosophical argumentation for this problem being solvable. A lot of research is taking place, but most of it identifies new problems, new challenges, things we didn't realize before. So as of today, no one has a working prototype or something which would scale to superintelligence. No one claims to have it. Um, even if it didn't scale to superintelligence, could it even scale to the level of a human intelligence? Well, probably not. Uh, so far, we're just trying to filter language of those uh, basic models, and they have 84% success rate at filtering out things we're not supposed to say, which is already problematic. The problem is in cybersecurity, standard cybersecurity, you have opportunities to try things in a different way. You give them new credit card, you reissue yeah. passwords, and you try again. With uh, super intelligence safety, it's slightly different in that you only get one chance. If you screw it up, there is no second chance to do over. Precisely. I wonder if you could explore that idea just a little bit more for listeners who might not have realized that. So if a system is capable enough to impact the whole planet, impact the whole universe potentially, uh, if it decides to exterminate people for whatever reason, uh, it will succeed at doing that most likely. And we won't get a second chance to fix the bugs which led to that problem. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you could briefly explain why it is that that is our default assumption that it's going to try to do that. Well, it's not. There could be so many other things it can do. Again, we're not capable of predicting what a smarter system would do. In cybersecurity, you typically look at the worst case scenario. Right. That's what you want to prepare for. If it doesn't happen, then you're better off. If it only decides, okay, maybe technological unemployment is the worst outcome here, that's wonderful. We're very happy not having to work and being alive. Uh, it seems that a lot of times... If you are not specifically programmed to have concerns about uh, humans as a side effect of performing some other action, uh, you may uh, reduce our quality of life uh, or our environment could be modified in ways which we may not like. So think about humans and ants. We don't particularly hate ants. We're not trying to exterminate ants. But if I decide to build a new house, I'm going to build it without concern for what ant colonies are currently existing in that location. Yes. And it is almost impossible to explain, especially to an agent that has no biological substrate and doesn't understand the concepts of suffering or death, what human values are or what common sense is. And if it sets itself to a goal, to any goal, it will try to optimize um, either it's uh, either the output or the sub goals that it uses to achieve the final goal. And in doing so, it will have superhuman abilities. And so it might be able to do this to an extent that completely transforms 
the environment on which we rely to survive. Right. Uh, what makes it even harder is that we don't really agree on our values and concerns. No, and... But not, exactly. Exactly. We cannot specify them even to each other. How are we going to specify it to a machine? Right. So you have a problem of uh, multi-agent agreement. We need 8 billion people to kind of agree on something. And then for, let's say, we somehow magically come up with that agreement. It's static. It doesn't change, which in reality, of course, is dynamic and changes all the time. Then we need to be able to somehow encode it for a system which keeps learning, keeps self-modifying, keeps working in new domains and environments and new problems. And we just and don't know how to do immortal. that. <laughs> Yeah, that's another one. Well, you're not reassuring me at all. I, you're you're confirming that I've understood the problem. Um, I I find this terrifying, and I find it hallucinatory because I I think we're going to soon, even if we don't achieve AGI, we're going to soon be in a world that doesn't resemble the one we grew up in at all, and none of us know what it's going to look like. It's definitely going to be different. We don't know exactly how and in what ways uh, we can make guesses about the new world having more, I don't know, virtual reality or something like that. But uh, nobody knows specifically what's going to happen. I have two two questions here. I'm not sure which one I should ask first. But the first is I'd like to understand more about your research program and the way you're looking at establishing that this may not be a soluble problem. And then I'd like to know what you think will happen if you can establish that. Those are great questions. So depending on what it is I'm trying to show, a lot of times you can do it by contradiction. For example, uh, let's say someone claims that they can predict specific actions of a more intelligent system, superintelligence. Mm -hmm. Superintelligence we define as a system which is more capable, smarter than any human in any domain. Right. If you could predict such actions, you would be just as intelligent as that system. Think about chess. If you can predict specific moves of a chess system, you can play at that level. Mm -hmm. But what you can predict is that AI is going to win. Everything else, you have no idea what specific moves the system is going to make. Uh, if it was not the case, we would have a contradiction. We assumed the system was smarter, but it's not. You're mm -hmm. at the same level. So that's obviously not the case. Now, for each one of those tools we predict we might need for controlling AI, there are similar impossibility results in terms of explaining, in terms of uh, verifying code. And if there is a consensus, the scientific community kind of agrees, yep, we cannot do it, we cannot control them, then it becomes a political issue of uh, how do we avoid uh, constructing those superintelligent machines? If it could be demonstrated that there is no way to control them, is there any chance that the world would be smart enough to understand that this is something like the nu a nuclear weapon? It should never be built in the first place. Well, we build lots of nuclear weapons and they keep spreading, so that doesn't look promising. There, There is, however, a taboo against the idea of, I mean, it's not a particularly strong taboo, but there's a taboo against using them. It's not... I, mean, I think you know what I'm getting at here. We, we've mostly avoided cloning human beings. I, I do. I understand. And yeah. uh, there are some differences. So with nuclear weapons, typically a person cannot just build a nuclear weapon in their garage for $100. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. So that kind of limits uh, who can utilize it, who can deploy them. With AI, we're not sure how hard it will be, and it's getting easier and easier every year with more compute for mm -hmm. a normal person to train a model like that on their own laptop at home in one day. Then you have everyone in the world with access to such powerful technology. You have uh, crazy people, doomsday cults, uh, you know, tyrants, all yeah. malevolent actors. You can think about psychopaths who may just create malevolent AI on purpose. Some people want to destroy as many lives as they can. Maybe that's their goal, to commit uh, murder-suicide at the scale of humanity. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and it doesn't seem to me that there's any hope of, of rational regulation coming from governments. Right now, the centers of power in the new world are all with the tech companies, and they don't seem to be capable of restraining themselves. There is a lot of talk about regulation, and I think some regulation will be implemented. I'm not sure that it's helpful. We have previous examples of regulation against computer viruses and against spam, which really didn't do anything for either problem. Well, this isn't quite the same problem. I, I just don't see that. I don't have any hope that our government is effective enough or capable of understanding the problem. I mean, you watch the hearings, I'm sure, with, with Sam Altman and it's it's um it's like trying to explain this to to a herd of cats they just don't understand what's going on um right but it's even worse even if they fully understood and said let's ban building advanced ai systems i don't think it's effective in practice i don't think you can enforce it i don't think you can monitor ai development around the world well as of now it requires an enormous amount of computing power to develop. As of now, but that gets easier and easier every couple of months. How long do you think it would be before an ordinary village psychopath would be able to put together a system like this? I think it would still be quite a long time, right? We have reports right now of people training comparable models, not as good, but let's say 80% as good on a single laptop in one day. Really? Absolutely. On a single laptop? How? They optimize it. They utilize what we learn from bigger models. There are ways to, once you do it the hard way, you can find optimizations. And every day, let's say a dozen papers comes out, which all claim to improve state of the art by 20, 30%. I miss this news. Do you, I mean, do you think they'll get anywhere with models built on a single laptop? They are comparable to the cut uh, publicly released cutting-edge models. They are maybe not equally good, but they are just maybe half a year behind. That's just horrifying. And then you've got people building things like AutoGPT and, and this thing just spilling out everywhere. Um, it's yeah. Seems... It only took about a week to go from this is a tool AI for answering questions to someone trying to make an agent out of it. Absolutely. Maybe you could explain why that's significant to our listeners, because they may not realize they might not be following that. So tools are just something humans use. A hammer is a tool. You can decide to use it to build a house or to kill someone. But human is the one making decisions. An independent agent makes decisions independent of a human using it. So a pit bull is an agent. You may have an owner, but at the end, pit bull decides if it's going to attack or not. 
Right. Um, and the key thing about auto GPT is it's um it's it allows you to use GPT to uh, I mean I think the specific function is to, it's it's supposed to allow people to earn money. You set GPT to the task of figuring out how to earn money for you. Um, so it confronts a series of decisions and it has to choose the optimal decision. And this is exactly what you don't want to see this thing doing. Well, you can give it all sorts of goals, right? Yeah, Making yeah. money is one option, but it could be strictly malevolent goals. It's up to the person who gives them instructions to decide on that. It's essentially uh, AI as a service, just add your own goals. Yeah. And if this thing becomes, if this thing were to become super intelligent, that's exactly what everyone is worried about. Well, then it becomes super intelligent and independent agent, then worries it will come up with its own goals, independent even of malevolent actors trying to control it. So it's actually even worse. No one has any control. Well, I want to hear the the, the case for optimism. Tell me, tell me why this might not all be converging on doom. Well, of course, I can be completely wrong, and tomorrow someone comes out with a beautiful proof, it's all possible, and they have a prototype in the works, so there is always possibility of just experts being wrong. Well, if they are, what form, how do you imagine that could happen? I don't think it will, I'm just saying it's a possibility. Well, look, I mean, everything you're saying and everything I'm I'm reading suggests that this is going to be uncontrollable and it is going to be unbelievably dangerous. So how do you how do you cope with this? I mean, my, my strategy emotionally is going to be denial. I'm going to think about this and then I'm going to put it out of my mind. But you, you're not going to, obviously. Well, people are very good at that. So we are all kind of facing personal existential crisis. We're all getting older. We're all going to die, right? There is no immortality pill. So somehow people are fine with knowing that they're going to die some sooner than others. And we just have this bias where we ignore this possibility. Yeah, there is something a, a bit different about the possibility of the entire species dying. I mean, it's a very philosophical discussion. Does it matter after you're gone? What happens? Uh, that's a kind of outside of computer science debate. I, I, I think we're talking about something that if people were really taking it in and really believed it, um, they would find it even more distressing than the, pro than the prospect of personal extinction. It is possible, but uh, at the end of the day, as an individual, there is not much you can do at this point. Um, they are not seeking your consent. They are running this experiment on you, and nobody can really consent to it because no one understands the experiment fully. What you've told me about the ability that we that many people now have to run a similar system off their laptop takes the problem to another dimension. I, I had thought that if we could get some kind of consensus among the big tech companies, we might be able to at least slow this down long enough to get somewhere with the control problem. And you're saying that you think it may be insoluble, which is my, my grim suspicion. And right. So we had this letter asking for six months uh, delay in training the next model, but it makes no sense to ask for specific amount of time. You have to ask for specific capabilities. 
do not train it until you can do xyz that would make sense because six months buys us nothing if the problem is not solvable then it doesn't matter six months six years what's the difference well i think the idea was if you can just get them to stop for six months maybe you could get them all in a room to hammer out a protocol and right now they're just working full speed ahead Again, this is very limited to those who kind of voluntarily agree to abide by this. It's not a prescription. So if someone, one company agrees and our company can just overtake them, we have international competition, we have military competing in the same space. So it uh, serves mainly the purpose of bringing attention to the problem. But as a solution, it's not uh, doing much. The people, though, who are capable of pushing this to the next level, they're they're fairly few in numbers, and they're all working for the big tech companies. I kind of doubt they're even working for the military at this point because the financial incentives are all with the big tech. And I, I would intuitively think that getting from here to to the next stage is not going just going to be a matter of making. A bigger LLM, there's going to be some other problems that have to be solved, something on the order of transformers or, or some other discovery, would you not think? Well, we don't know. It's possible. Yeah. It certainly is a possibility. But so far, we're not getting diminishing returns. Every time we create a bigger model, train with more data, we get much more in terms of generality and capabilities. Yeah, it does seem that way. We don't know if there's an upper limit on the amount of capability it's possible for something to have. We don't. We know for sure that humans are above that level for now. So laws of physics clearly permit that level of generality. And it's weird if uh, humans were somehow an absolute limit. Uh, if you take a human combined with internet already, you get a smarter system, more memory, um, more expertise. So after. definitely there is plenty of room at the top. I wouldn't I don't think I would be too worried about something with human level intelligence or even slightly more than human intelligence. It's when we start talking about a thousand times smarter than humans. It's a different level of danger, different level of problem. With human intelligence, you can automate and scale all crime to unprecedented levels. Yep. 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 Um So what what should people do? Should I just stop thinking about it? Well, it depends. So, of course, there is uh, your position in uh, humanity hierarchy. Are you uh, just layman? Are you an expert in this field? Are you a politician? Depending on that, you have different options. Depending on your time scales, you may look at the financial impact from those systems, what you should do for education for your kids. Uh, it, it really depends on how much you believe it, where you stand in life, and uh, what you think is happening next. You know, it's, it seems as if the best thing that could happen to us at this point would be a mass coronal ejection. <laughs> Wipe it all out. Set it all back. Um, are there any other... Are there any strategies, theories of alignment that you think could potentially be promising, I mean, assuming that you fail in, in your research program? So there are ideas for using AI itself to help us solve this problem. 
So a good AI assistant, which is making a human researcher more capable. To me, it feels like kind of catch-22 problem where you need an aligned smarter system to deal with a misaligned dumber system. Mm. But uh, some very smart people think it might get us somewhere. Um, why does someone like um, Jan, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Jan Lejun, Jan Lejun seems Lejun. blithely indifferent. Um, it's possible that his experience shows him that historically, every time there was an AI hype, AI summer, uh, it was always followed by AI winter. We probably had three or four of them by now. Mm. And people always wrote articles about how robots will take over jobs and, you know, dangers of robots taking over. And it never materialized so far. So you have this bias of, okay, I know how it ends. It's going to be the same this time. This time is not different. He doesn't seem willing, though, to engage with any of the arguments or to say why he believes it, believes this. There's something, I find something about the posture of the people working for these big companies incredibly offensive, that they're not answering the questions. They're pretending this isn't a problem. I suppose it's... Well, there is definitely a shift. If you look at this, 10 years ago, there was no field of AI safety. It was pure science fiction done by cranks on the internet. In mm -hmm. the last five years, there is now a field. There are journals, uh, articles, conferences. Uh, it's becoming reasonable to be a researcher in this area. In the last year, there are, I think, majority of AI researchers, machine learning researchers who have concerns, who are placing safety as an important part of uh, development of AI products and services. And more recently, we starting to see majority of top scholars explicitly saying they're very concerned, including people who with uh, Jan LeCun won Turing Awards, two other winners are very concerned. Right, right. How many people who are really competent are working on the problem right now? It's hard to judge because so much of it is uh, covered by the same umbrella. So people who work on AI ethics, people who work on algorithmic bias, people who just work on optimizing systems can all be seen as working on some aspect of safety. It's very, very difficult to separate uh, work on capabilities versus work on just safety. Very few people are purely theoretical and contributing nothing to making the problem worse. How did you become involved in this problem? When did you realize this was something that really required attention? So my PhD work was on uh, making online poker safer from bots, mm -hmm. poker bots. And I noticed that the bots were getting better, smarter at avoiding detection and better at playing poker. And I kind of projected it forward to the point where at some point those bots would be smarter than me. What's the uh, security situation with that? So your background was in security, and then you were, were was in... Uh, right. I was doing work on behavioral biometrics, so right. pattern recognition, profiling, and just uh, took it to the next level with AI. And when exactly was it that you began to think this is a big problem, that when you started projecting this forward? When, when did it hit you? This is 
this is here. Uh, I finished my PhD in 2008, probably by 2010, I was fully, fully immersed in this. Right. So you've been doing this for 13 years or so, 13, 15 years. And obviously what was largely theoretical, if very alarming, became, I'm sure, very real when GPT was released. Um, has that, have you, what what effect has that had on you and on your work? I mean, one impact is that there is a lot more interest in interviewing me, which kind of takes away from research time. So it's a two-edged sword. I get to share my ideas with more people. I get to promote my books, but mm -hmm. at the same time, I get to do less research. So that's a problem. Sure. And every time you do an interview, it tells people that they want to speak to you again. Um, that's that. Yeah. But I, won't, <laughs> I won't keep you away from the research for very much longer then because... Um, I think it's really important research and I want you to get back to it. I think you've got a better chance of getting somewhere than I will. Um, I don't want to, I don't think it's a good idea to be completely hopeless. Um, I, I'd like to, I'd like to have, have if, if there's any realistic way, you can say something that reassures me. I'd appreciate it. <laughs> I, I mean, historically, every time people predicted the end of the world, they were wrong. Statistically, you have very good uh, baseline. Uh, you know that's hindsight bias. <laughs> this would be an outlier, maybe a rare statistical outlier. <laughs> it's it's a well-known cognitive bias to say that because it hasn't happened yet. I mean, if it had happened, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> we well, there are options. You have multiverse. We might be living in a simulation. Uh, all those give us additional possibilities. That doesn't reassure me at all. <laughs> I'm doing my best here. Um, 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 well, I think I'm going to retreat into total denial. I'm going to finish writing about this and then I'm never going to think about it until it happens. That's the spirit. <laughs> I, I just find it terrifying. I just can't believe this is actually happening. I did not think it was going to happen. I thought we were a century away from this kind of progress, if ever. I would have said, actually, my instinct would have been that it is formally impossible, that we are not going to be able to do what we've already done. Oh, that's a very interesting statement. Why would it be impossible, given that we have human brains right in front of us? Um, Because we have absolutely no idea how they got here. And it's so fundamentally mysterious that we're never going to figure it out. But we just need to plagiarize what we see. We don't have to understand origins we just need to copy it how are we going to do that no one has no one can xerox a human brain no but you create computational models of what you observe well this is if we believe that the human brain is uh the way it is entirely for, because of its computational powers Some, so far it seems like uh, what we learned from neuroscience got us this far well, actually, it's an interesting point, because what you're suggesting is that this would necessarily endow whatever we create with consciousness. Well, that's a very different and more difficult question. Consciousness doesn't seem to be something we know how to detect, how to measure. So we don't know if those systems are already conscious or not. How we would don't. we know? Uh, exactly. We don't. The point is, though, that... Um, 
if we think everything about the brain can be reproduced in silico, that would necessarily include consciousness. And I don't think any of us quite believe that, do we? Which means that we're using as our operating assumption that there's something going on with the brain that we don't understand. But does seeing how well those models work, since we know they are just artificial emulations of natural neural networks, does that give you more confidence that in fact, yeah, that's all there is? There is not a special additional component? It sure prompted in me a profound philosophical crisis. Yes, that's what I've been writing about. I, I would have said that's not possible, as I said to you, and uh, it turns out that it is possible. And it makes you think that you are just a large language model, doesn't it? You read what I wrote, because that's exactly what I wrote. I didn't, but uh, (laughs) it seems to be a common sense conclusion here. Yeah, yeah. And until I saw that, I would have rejected that suggestion vigorously. Um, And I would have said, we're we're never going to figure this out, because it's just too hard. It's just too, it's, it's the human brain, the human, human capacities are simply too mysterious, too indefinable and this is perhaps gives me hope that the there is a um, solution to the problem as well because it's the same instinct i have the same instinct about being able to solve the problem my concern however is that so do you and i think probably you're not just using an instinct here right but also if those systems end up being smarter than us and consciousness just kind of comes along for a ride with that they would be super conscious more conscious than we are more experience a binary thing don't you think it's either you're either on or you're off no 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 definitely i can experience things and amoeba cannot and squirrel and mouse all have different levels of qualia proportionate to the sensors they have and capabilities uh it seems like from different experiments we we see it even different people have different uh, internal states right some we have no idea. The only the only consciousness to which we have direct access is our own. Uh, that's right. But from studies, from self-reports, then people explain what they experience. It seems like there are differences, right? Yeah, the squirrels are not self-reporting. No, no. But you can place them in experimental settings where their behavior indicates what they're experiencing. Um, I can't imagine what a what a 50% level of consciousness is. And consciousness either is having something experienced that feels like something or it isn't, right? Have you ever experienced altered states of consciousness? Sure, but they're still states of consciousness. Right, but they can be kind of of different degree of attention. You have uh, detail to visual imagery. There are differences. They okay, are we're talking about, right, we're talking about different states of consciousness. So I'm not sure I understand what you mean by super consciousness. You mean a different state of consciousness that is what? So let's say instead of a single stream of consciousness, a super intelligence can have multiple streams at the same time. It can have access to sensory perception we just don't have experiencing infrared light vision or something like that. Mm. Well, or or you could plausibly argue that Thomas Nagel was right and that it all ends up being the same kind of consciousness because it has to perform the same kind. But that's that's a biological argument. It's not really, it doesn't really apply to, I don't know, I mean, I am open to the idea that the thing already has consciousness. It um, There's no way we can prove it doesn't. 
Well, to me, it's not a binary thing. To me, it's a spectrum, and I think it has some rudimentary things we would classify as consciousness in biological primitive systems, bacteria or something at that level. What What have you seen that suggests that to you? So I have a paper where I talk about trying to detect um, states of consciousness based on experiencing illusions. So mm -hmm. we show you a visual perception, uh, an image with novel illusions, something you cannot just Google. Mm -hmm. And I can ask you about uh, your experiences. If you experience the same thing I do, like let's say I say it's rotating left. Mm -hmm. just Like the dancer, the spinning dancer? Let's say it, but a completely novel one, something you cannot just look up to know what's happening. Mm -hmm. I have to believe that either you have a model of a human inside of you and that tells you the answer, or you yourself experience that. You experience the illusion, right? Mm -hmm. And we know that AI systems are capable of experiencing some visual illusions. Where exactly have we seen that? How is it? Experimentally, you can show them those images and then they produce same results as humans in terms of misjudging distances, misunderstanding right. numbers. I have a paper about it if you're interested. I'm very yes, happy to very, share it with you. They, they produce the same mistakes as humans, as in visually they, they seem to be making the same mistakes? Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I definitely, if you would send me an email with the link to that paper. Yeah, we can probably post it with the, with the interview. We can make access to those. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, it's still, it's, it's, that's extremely interesting. That's extremely interesting and unexpected. How many times have I said those words recently? Um, but it doesn't tell us that there is a subjective state of feeling like you are an AI or feeling like you are something. It tells us that it's processing things in the same curious ways that we do. But that's extraordinary because it has no eyes. It's not seeing things. It's, but it is obviously creating an internal model as we do. Yes. And again, not all people can see. But people who can't see don't usually get those things confused, do they? I mean, how could they? Uh, get what confused? They, they don't look at optical illusions and get confused about what they mean. They can't. They get other types of illusions. There are audio illusions. There are illusions of perception, physical touch. It's not limited to just visual system. But what's extraordinary is the thing is making a mistake in an aspect of perception that we associate in humans with having a visual system. So what's it doing? Well, we definitely know that AI can process images. That's not a surprising result. You can connect a camera to a robot and it will gladly navigate your environment. Sure, but why is it making a mistake? <laughs> because it, it understands the images in terms of pixels. There are relative relationships between parts of an image, which when you parse a certain way, create a confusion, some sort of a loop, which just doesn't uh, resolve properly. This is an area of research which is fascinating and under-researched. We don't fully understand how to automatically generate illusions, for example. That would be awesome. Uh, that, it is just fascinating because it suggests that there is one optimal path for making sense of these kinds of images, whether you're apprehending them by means of pixels or um, 
photons on a retina. And of course, it's possible that a different system perceives it in a completely different way. And so as a human, I cannot map it into my perceptions. So we can show that the system is just like us, but we can't show that it's not conscious just by running this test. If it does have some form of consciousness, what does that imply? What would I mean, it wouldn't be anything like our consciousness, would it? Well, that's what I said. At some point, it could be superior to ours, where just like we look at animals and go, eh, not a big deal, they're not as conscious. That system could easily say we should get less rights because we're not as conscious. If I weren't worried that this means we're all going to die, it would be the most, I mean, it is the most fascinating thing that has ever happened to the human race. And this is this is what we've all been waiting for, the encounter with another form of intelligence. If If, if only we could figure out how to not die from it, it would be just unbelievable to be able to communicate with it and ask it these questions and study it. And, um, and it is unbelievable. I can't help but be incredibly excited by it, even if I'm appalled. We're certainly living in interesting times. Oh, man, I did not see this coming. I did not see this coming. <laughs> I, I, in 1989, when the Berlin Wall fell, I, I really bought the whole thing. It's going to be liberal democracy and 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 good times from here on in. We're never going to have any more um, major political debates. <laughs> yeah, so we are not very good at predicting the future. That's what gives me hope. That means yeah, that uh, I'm wrong again. I've been wrong before. That's true. On the other hand, you know, if you manage to come up with a, a good proof that it is impossible, and if it's an airtight proof, then... Well, those are, of course, theoretical proofs about perfect cases. Just like in mathematics, we know there are limits to what can be proven, but it doesn't stop mathematicians from making more mathematical proofs. Uh -huh. Uh, in practice, a lot of times you can find an approximate solution, a workaround, uh, something which makes the system work okay. We know yeah. traveling salesperson yeah. problem is not really computable in a amount of resources we have, but GPS works beautifully. Sure. I mean, you can get it to work 95% of the time, but you don't want to be playing with the other, the other 5%. Um, well, I think I'm going to let you go and refuse to ever think about it again. Sounds good. I'll go <laughs> solve that problem. This is, I mean, it's been a fa fascinating conversation. And I think our listeners will also find it fascinating, if deeply disturbing. Um, and I would be very glad if you sent me the paper in question, which I'll post along with the podcast. We'll do. And uh, feel free to link to any other papers you found uh, relevant to this discussion. I will. And do you have a mailing list to keep me apprised of your work? And No, but I spam people on Facebook and Twitter a lot. Okay. I'll, I'll just keep an eye out for that. I'll keep an eye out for that. Thank you so much. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you. And um, good luck. Thanks. Good luck. All of us. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. <laughs>